I bring you greetings, and I'm grateful for the privilege to be here with you, uh, share with you. I'm, um, I'm not a traditional preacher. Um, I, I rarely have been able to give an introduction in 10 points and a closure. <laughs> I have uh, discovered over these many years, I've been in ministry now, I uh, look like uh, 50 years. Wow. I'm a, uh, I'm a dentist by training. I'm what you call a prostodontist, and I still practice. And uh, I was uh, part of one of the, the first mega church in America, so I've seen all the mention of church. Mm. My wife and I co-labored together for over 55 years, married for 51 years. She transitioned this life in uh, 2015. Wow. And uh, that's been um, always, that's a challenge. I can't even remember uh, having lived life without her. Yeah. And so as I have uh, wondered over these many years, my style of preaching, of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are three that help you to know, mm. there are three that help you to speak, and there are three that help you to do. Mm. The three that help you to speak are hemicaphly or tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Mm. The three that help you to know is a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Mm. And the three that help you to do is uh, the gift of faith, gift of healing, and miracles. Mm. And I determined after many years, uh, when I would speak, I would always say, you go here, and you, you go there, and you go there. I said, that's because the people are here, and they're there, and they're there. So I have to go where they are. And they said, we don't know what it is that you do. And finally, I believe the Lord gave me some clarity that I'm giving a, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. And for that reason, I'll touch on different things. I'll touch on your spiritual life, your social life. I'll touch on your economic life. I may talk about your past, your present, and your future. I may speak prophetically. And sometimes he gives me words to speak directly to people. But uh, when I go to places and they are used to a certain style of preaching. During my early years, I was put in what I call some of the old line uh, holiness Pentecostal circles that was used to a certain kind of preaching, a staccato. You had a certain kind of words and move a certain kind of way and a lot of energy. And uh, I was not that kind of preacher. <laughs> and the sisters would always say, uh, help him, Jesus. <laughs> and I thought that they were saying I was really doing well. The Lord is helping me. But they were saying help him because he's dying. <laughs> That's because my style was not uh, reaching what they were saying. But I said that when I finished, they would often say, but you touched our hearts. You, yeah. you answered questions. You, Gave direction. I was about to think of this, and you told me. Yeah. So I just wanted to forewarn you that, um, uh, that you won't get frustrated, I do believe. Uh, I have some things to say the Lord has put within my heart. When I first started in ministry, I should take uh, tons of notes. I used to have 30 or 40 little pages of notes. And the Spirit of God said, I want you to learn how to speak out of your heart. Yeah. I said, speak out of my heart. He said, yeah, speak out of your heart, because I may have things to say beyond your notes. I said, the people, they look so mean. I, I get confused, <laughs> you know? And he said, so I was in St. Louis, Missouri, and I was about to preach. And I had numbered the pages, and you know where I'm going. And when I hit the pages, they fell to the floor. And they were scattered. And I said, oh, dear God, what am I going to do? And I couldn't put them back together. And the thought came to me, I told you, Speak out of your heart. So I'm going to speak to you out of my heart. Yes. I'm not short on preaching or teaching. We've written over uh, 18 or 20 books. Probably uh, written over 500 papers on ministry in every aspect of life. Mm. 
I'm a part of a prophetic ministry, uh, Major Prophets, and they're in trouble as of January of this year. Yeah. They spoke things prophetically that did not come to pass. Yeah. But you're not a false prophet just because you give a false prophecy. Huh. If you want to understand the definition of a false prophet, go back and look at Hananiah, huh. who was a contemporary of Jeremiah. And he was not false just because of uh, he missed it. Huh. He was false because of three things. God said this, I didn't speak to him. Huh. Number two, I didn't send him. Huh. And he teaches rebellion against the Lord. Wow. Whenever we misrepresent the truths of God, we establish priorities that are not divine. We cause God's people to focus upon things that they shouldn't focus upon. We overemphasize things that God is not emphasizing. We're teaching rebellion against the Lord. You know by now that faith is not an emotional word. Faith does not work by emotion. Faith is a conviction. You know by now that faith does not deny reality. It does not deny the existence of a problem. So since the 70s and 80s, we had to say, I don't have a problem. That doesn't issue. That's not an issue. You know, I'm not living with crazy people. No, no, no. All of that's true. You have a problem, you have an issue, and you're living with crazy people. <laughs> but faith does not deny reality. It recognizes finality. Yeah. Faith allows you to think divine thoughts. Yeah. Faith allows you, number one, to see beyond the obvious. And what faith does allows you to recognize that God has the last word in every situation. Yeah. I've been with people who received medical diagnoses that were insurmountable and impossible. Because yeah. you do know that God is not retired. Yeah. God is still the healer. Yeah. He's still the deliverer. Yeah. He's sovereign over time, season, circumstances, and people. Mm-hmm. There's no counsel against the Lord. Mm-hmm. What he says, he does. Yeah. Only God has the power to make a promise and to fulfill it. And I've seen people with insurmountable medical problems. They didn't know how they could do anything. And we're going to the doctor. And I would say to them, pray that the doctor will know what to do and what not to do. Because as a doctor, we need to know. We need to have wisdom. I've worked with spirit-free physicians and surgeons. And they would say many times, I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. I'm trained, I'm skilled, but I, I haven't seen this before. And they would say to me many times, this thought came to me. If I connect this to this, this may work. And they've seen miraculous things happening. So I would say to them that when they go to the doctor, and uh, always remember that God has the last word. And if all the promises that have been made to you have come to pass, you're in trouble. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said now? So you need to be happy when you have unfulfilled promises. Because the biggest challenge that we're dealing with today, believe it or not, is the fact that we have unfulfilled promises and prophecies and predictions that have been made in our life that have not come to pass. And believe it or not, we're frustrated with God. Our problem is not horizontal. (laughs) Our problem is vertical. There's a book written by Dr. J.B. Phillips called Your God is Too Small. He said that our human concepts of God sometimes are sub-biblical. We think God is like a parent who's never happy with anything that we do. Think he's like a judge. We think God is a patriarch because he's biased, that he prefers men to rule and not women. We think that God does not want us to defend ourselves. Let me say this. God wants you to defend yourself. He's the God of war. I was in an African country once, and I got off the plane, and this man came up and approached me, and he said, you're Christian. 
I said, yes, I am. He said, then you should give if I ask of you. I said, I ain't no fool. <laughs> then he said this, if I slap you on the right cheek, you should turn the left cheek. I said, that's true. But you better not be here when I turn the cheek. <laughs> God does not want us to be passive. We're called to defend ourselves unless you receive a direct mandate yeah, yeah, yeah. to never defend yourself. Wow. So, also, our problem fundamentally is a vertical problem. Wow. We need to have a clear concept of God. Yeah. God does not test us, approve us, or try us with heartaches and sorrow. That's non biblical. God does not put you through heartaches and sorrows to make you strong. That's non biblical. God does not condemn, God convicts. God deals with rebellion different than He deals with ignorance. Yeah. Did you understand that? Yeah. There's a difference between rebellion and ignorance. Wow. Rebellion is disobedience with knowledge. You know to do right, and you don't. God deals with you differently. You understand? Yeah. But God is not a pacifist. And so our problem has been our concept of God. Wow. And this pandemic, as you know, it's been a crisis. It's been yeah. a crisis. Yeah. I said last evening, I don't think we managed it properly. Yeah. Because when it first came, we didn't know how to explain it. Some were so caught up in the spiritual dynamic. He said, this is the judgment of God. No, it is not. It's a consequence of original sin, whether you believe in that or not. Because in the garden, there was no sickness, no disease, no Prozac, no hard blood, hard blood pressure medicine, none of that in the garden. They were all healthy. They were all normal. In fact, heaven and earth intermesh. Wow. Did you understand that? Remember now, we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done where? Out here as it is up there. There was a time when that was the case. Wow. She didn't say So in the garden, there was no sickness, no disease. But sin released disaster, disaster, disorder, and disease into the environment. Yeah. So we're living in a world that we don't control. But God has initiated a plan to restore not only the creature, but the creation. Yeah. He's also initiated a plan to deal with healing and sickness and disease and pandemic. And so when this thing first broke, a lot of my preachers, number one, they were preaching from Psalms 91. Yeah. It won't come now you, but it did. Yeah. I say you should have been preaching from Psalms 126 when the Lord turns the captivity. Not that he caused it. Was it demonic? Yes. Evil forces are always involved in wickedness and sickness and disease and pain. Yes, God can bring that if you continue to rebel. But this was not created by God. It was not a judgment against some immorality. Hear me carefully. A consequence of original sin. We've seen a pandemic before. There have been many pandemics. You're not old enough to remember them. Hear me carefully. But the critical thing, those who just focus upon the spiritual, they neglected the scientific. We understand how this came about scientifically. Its origin, we understand how to identify and protect ourselves against it. The wearing of masks, social distancing, self-quarantine, all of those are scientific maneuvers that keep things from happening. But if you only focus upon the spiritual, it's warfare. So you ain't going to put on nothing. You're just going to fight the devil. You're going to gather together, and you're going to spit and snort and all of that. And you know by now that it is spread, number one, through droplets. You understand that? It's amazing in my practice how uh, people take advantage of three things. Ignorance, uncertainty, number one. And uh, what's ignorance, uncertainty? Well, it's another one there. Doubt. 
and doubt. Wherever people don't know, people can sell you anything. Wow. We had little humidifiers that wow. cost $29.95 before the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, those same humidifiers that only did what they did before the pandemic, yeah. after, now were $249.50. Because wow. Wow. people were taking advantage of our ignorance, of our uncertainty, and the fact that we just didn't know. Yeah. Wow. So we know by now, there's a scientific endeavor. Yeah. How is that involved? The fact that we recognize how it is transmitted and how to indemnify. There is a spiritual dynamic. And the spiritual dynamics is what we're having to deal with because of all of the consequences of this pandemic. It's created despair, disillusionment. It's created hopelessness. And that's why, hear me carefully, hear this and write this down. You've got to be able to discern the tension and the confusion that's outside of you from that which is within you. Because when you walk into a room and atmosphere, you can sense the tension. Yeah. You can sense the hopelessness. Yeah. It's not within you. Yeah. It's outside. Yeah. Now, if you don't discern that, you'll be overwhelmed by it. Mm. And so that's why I want to talk with you in the moments I have right now about perspective. Mm. Perspective. Mm. That's a pregnant word. Mm. Perspective speaks of the picture we paint of life. It's how you see things. As I said before, in the earlier phases of faith, it was a matter of denial. But faith is not denial. Mm. Faith recognizes truth. Mm. But it recognizes that God has the last word yeah. in the truth. Yeah. As I said before, faith allows you to see beyond the obvious. Yeah. Life just not consists in just what you see. There's a realm beyond the natural. Y'all may not know it right now, but there are angelic messengers all around this room now. Mm. There are spirit powers all around, all of the time. And we have to learn many times to see with our ears and to hear with our eyes. You didn't get that. <laughs> Learn to see with your ears and wow. hear with your eyes. Wow. Learn to look beyond the obvious. Learn to hear and to be sensitive. It's called otherliness. It's the opposite of selfishness. Selfishness is a preoccupation with you and your world. Otherliness is a preoccupation with people. Yeah. So the word perspective is the picture we paint of life. It's the meaning that we give to life. It's the understanding we give to the things that come before us. You cannot make something temporary permanent if it is temporary. You yeah. must be able to explain things properly in your life. So the idea of perspective has to do with how we put everything in its proper place. When the pandemic broke, there was a lot of sociological issues, yeah. a lot of political issues. Yeah. There was a lot of biases. We much acknowledge that. There were conspiracy theories. People were saying things that were not true. And because we were unlearned, untrained, we embraced them and accepted them to be the fact. Wow. I had members of my family said they were not going to be vaccinated. I said, why? I just don't feel comfortable. What do you mean you don't feel comfortable? I mean, what do you mean comfortable? What does comfortable got to do with it? I said, have you ever gone through this before? No. Well, I just don't. So, so what, what are you talking about? Who have you been listening to? Who's been talking to you? I said, we didn't raise you that way. And then I said to them, what will it take for you not to feel uncomfortable? And they said, well, we're going to be tested tomorrow. They tested positive. Oh, you don't feel uncomfortable now. <laughs> take the vaccine. Some people have to discover, as a principle, self-discovery is better than external revelation. Write that down. Yeah. You can tell people the same thing for years, 
but until they see it themselves, they will never embrace it. But in the meantime, keep telling them. That's why this morning I was speaking to a younger generation. They were asking me and said, uh, what does it take for us to get together? I said, time. Time is a revealer. Huh. And time is a healer. Huh. Time will reveal things that you don't know. That's why I'm never troubled with arrogant pride for people. Huh. Time will take care of that. <laughs> you discover after a while, you're stupid. Because <laughs> that's, that's what sin is. Sin is the highest level of stupidity. Thinking that you're smarter than God. When God says, thou shalt not, then thou do. I mean, you're smarter than God. He said, don't go there. And you go. Stupid. <laughs> don't do this and you do it. That's stupid. God says, trust me. Don't lean into your own understanding. I didn't say don't think because the tenth gift of the Holy Ghost is common sense. Yeah. Don't know that. Ten gifts. You understand? So Perspective. Perspective. How do we measure our life? How do we look at it? I know when I talk about my preachers, I've had to deal with those because I oversee a large organization in Africa, Asia, Europe, South America, thousands of leaders, all kinds, people in the marketplace, and they've suffered tremendously. They have to relook at that concept of church. I just written a little book called The Master Church on Mm Amazon.com. I said, church is people, it's not place. It's quality of people, not quantity of people. You can never measure church, which is a spiritual entity, but a natural entity. You can't measure it by natural standards. You can't measure it by the buildings or the location. In fact, you can have church without people. And I'm answering four questions. What is church? Where is church? When is church? And why is church? And what makes church effective? It's not the crowds, it's not the money, it's not the bill, it's not at all. The effectiveness of church, talking about perspective, how we look at life, how we look at where we're going through right now. Because just like this pandemic came, it will go. Anything that starts, it will stop. Yeah. You understand that now? Yeah. The only thing that's eternal is God. Yeah. Yeah. So let's be clear. So I said, when you measure effectiveness of church, it depends upon three things. Number one, the privilege to get answers to his prayers. Prayer. You said, prayer? Yeah, prayer. Prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. I said last night, when we talk about praying, it means come together, spend two hours talking, and then we get up and leave. That's not prayer. Prayer is not only the words you speak, but it's the words that you hear. Yeah. So if you spend 30 minutes talking, you should spend 30 minutes listening. Yeah. If you believe in a speaking God. Yeah. You understand that? Yeah. And I discovered that two prayers that God won't answer. Any prayer that requests him to do again what he's called finished. That's why you never pray for power. You never pray for an anointing. There's no transfer on an anointing. That's Old Testament. And the New Testament, the anointing is the Holy Ghost. I don't need your anointing. It's old. The anointing I need is the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of God. The second prayer is any prayer that requests him to do what he's empowered us to do. Yeah. God won't make you believe. Did you know that you can quit at any point in time? God won't make you continue. I've said to people, I want to quit. I said, you can do it. I said, well, I say this to you. There's no failure if you don't quit. If you stumble, you get up. But he won't make you go on. He'll send me to threaten you. 
<laughs> he does it all the time. Send me. Go talk to him. Go talk to him. I go talk to him. I remind him of the covenant, the blessing, because God makes covenant. Write this down. God makes covenant with people, not with buildings, not with places, not with an institution, not with organization. He makes covenant with you. Yeah. Which means that when the house, the car, and everything else changes, his covenant with you remains. Y'all not hearing that? Now, I know it's late in the day for me. It's still early California time. <laughs> I'm three hours in front of you. So last night it was getting a little dull. Because while they were getting cranked up, my day was coming to an end. So you need to understand prayer. Prayer, a dialogue, not a monologue. Yeah. God is not opposed to your questions. It's not, a, it's not doubt to ask God why. Yeah. Or even when. Yeah. Or what for. God is not intimidated by that because he wants you to be convinced. He wants you to be thoroughly persuaded that he is God. Yeah. Yeah. And some of you ain't thoroughly persuaded yet. Wow. You're not thoroughly convinced. Mm. And that's why sometimes we deal with depression. Depression many times occurs when my human will is in conflict with the divine will. Mm. Depression comes when I'm not trusting and I'm believing God. Because the two most common human emotions you deal with, one is love and the second is disappointment. You've experienced a disappointment, something you were looking for did not happen. Yeah. But hear me carefully, it still ain't the end of the day. Yeah. Still more time. So the idea of prayer, prayer. The second, hear me carefully, factor that determines the effectiveness of ministries is the ability to receive, to demonstrate, and communicate divine information. Mm. Let me put it like this. One thought from God, children. Yeah. One idea. Yeah. Just one creative idea from God. Sometimes you can be one thought, one idea away from your legacy. Mm. If you just subject your human emotions to principle. Because emotions seem to be like children that need to be disciplined. Wonderful friends, but terrible rulers. And faith is not an emotional word. Because sometimes the thrill is gone. Ask BB. <laughs> thrill is gone. There's no thrill. We don't serve God because we feel. We serve God because of what we know. We know he's faithful. We know he watches over his word to forgive it. We know that he keeps his promise. We know that there's nothing that escapes his gaze. How can you in prayer make God aware of something that he doesn't know? <laughs> just want you to know that I have need for this. I, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just want you to know I'm dealing with these people. I know them. I sent them. Oh, when you sent them. Yes. <laughs> and these people are my enemies. And no, they're your friends. You just don't know it yet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to understand that principle. One thought, one idea. And some of you are one thought away from legacy. Your one creative idea. There have been things that have been breaking through to your thought process and your consciousness. But number one, you keep putting your mind on lesser things. Hear me carefully. Peace is where you put your mind. Yeah. Right note of that. Yeah. Peace is war. It's war against every thought, every idea that wants to invade your consciousness that contradict God. He'll keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed upon him. Yeah. How do you keep your mind in peace? By rehearsing the things that God has said. Amen. And some of you used to do that. You're not doing it anymore. Amen. Don't let things slip. Write them down. I'll be 80 years of age in a, in a year. I've got sticky paper everywhere. 
Every morning I get down and write down things. I write them down. I make no excuse for it. Of course, I'm not burdened down with having to write. I know I wrote it down. Wrote it down. I wrote down. I wrote, what's your name, honey? I write it down all the time. Hear me carefully. Rehearse the things that God has done. One thought, one idea away. Yeah. From the next job, the next position. And some of you are one thought away from the next relationship. Mm-hmm. One thought away from the next relationship. Hear me carefully. I said like this. One monkey don't stop no show. <laughs> one bad relationship is not the end of the world. Yeah. If you were married to a fool, you won't marry him again. There was a book came out years ago, Women That Love Too Much. That's a wrong book. Mm-hmm. If you're married to a fool once, you won't marry another one because you'll see them when they're approaching. That's a fool. <laughs> Nobody has to tell you, you know that's a fool. Look at the way he walks. See, I hold his head to the side. That is a fool there. You don't need a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Something in your psyche said, go the other way. Uh You're one thought away. Uh And the last thing that makes you strong, people who totally obey the Lord. And many of you are strong on that, strong on that, except for certain times. Because, see, there are all kinds of personalities in this room. Some of you have to know everything. Uh (laughs) You just say, I want to know. How long is it going to take me to get there? How will I know when I get there? And when I get there, how will I know when I'm supposed to leave? And how will I know how to leave? And then the Lord says, that's question number six. Don't ask another one. Some of you just have to know. Some of you are procrastinators. Raise your right hand. That's good. That's good. Procrastinators. You put off the day what you should have done last year. How many know some of you are what I call catastrophizers? You know what it is? Make a molehill into a mountain. Raise your left hand. Wave it at me, okay? Catastrophizers, you know what I mean? One airplane doesn't take off, the whole airport closes. One tree in the forest falls, the whole forest is collapsing. You understand? Had one bad relationship, nobody can be trusted anymore. You understand? Catastrophizers. You understand? And how many know some of you are denialists? Raise both hands. Ain't no problem. Ain't no situation. Everything is fine. The bank just recorded it wrong. I have money in there. I know it's money in there. You just can't find it. That's right. We can't find it. You must understand your personality. I'm talking about perspective. It's the picture you paint of life. We paint pictures of life sometimes that are not clear. And sometimes we let other people paint the pictures for us. Be careful of that. And that's why sometimes we have to be clear how we discern prophecy. We're living in an age now where there's a lot of spiritual ministry. Talking about perspective. And you can't discount spiritual ministry just because you had a bad experience. Wow. Yeah. A lot of suspect concerning that. And some of you don't want to open the door to another prophetic word because these are your words. I've had enough of them. Oh, wow. Wow. And there's some now that haven't happened. I've been waiting a long time. And I come all the way from Atlanta to say to you that this is your time. Wow. This is your time. Your time. You've been sensing it within your heart hmm. that it's a time. And you know that knowing there's something when you ever wanted to quit, and there's that thought, subtle thought that comes into you that says, just give it another day. Yeah. Just give it another moment. Yeah. 
He said, but I've been waiting so long, but you haven't been waiting for eternity. Wow. <laughs> and he said, that's how long I've been waiting. Oh. Give it a little bit more time. Yeah. You sense it in your heart. So those who would totally obey the Lord, and you obey the Lord when you paint the right picture of your life. Mm. Real book, and I've shared this with you many times, called Learn Optimism by Martin P. Seligman, S-A-L-I-G-M-A-N. He's a psychologist at the University of Pittsburgh. A wonderful piece. And Seligman has made a major breakthrough. We should think so goes the child, so goes the adult. It used to be the belief that things that happened to you in childhood dictates your adulthood. And the psychologists have said, we have been wrong. We have been wrong. Just because you had a disturbing childhood doesn't mean that it influences your total adulthood. It said, believe it or not, you can change, radically change things. There are some things you can't change. The leopard cannot change his spots. And the Ethiopian cannot change his skin. But there are things that happen to us in childhood don't have to influence totally our adulthood. He said, and a lot of that has to do with your perception. But now if you accept the scientific proposition, you're buying to it. And so what he said, hear me carefully, when things, negative things happen in life, you have to be able to explain them properly in terms of three parameters. Number one, the duration. Number two, the source. And number three, the effect. Effect. You can't let something that affects one area of your life paralyze your whole life. Yeah, yeah. This pandemic hit. I had people just throw up their hands. Lost the car. Oh, throw up the hand. One person left the church. Don't ever build a ministry around one person. One person leaves the church. The church is over. We had a founder. I mean, how many of you know all of us were born, live, and we will die? Have you all come to that? I mean, California is not an exclusive. (laughs) Y'all thought you were. The things that only are for us, they are. I won't name them. But let me have the effect. The second, number one, is, uh, believe it or not, the duration. A lot of things in life that are temporary and some are permanent. Trouble has a shelf life. See what I said? It came and it will go. That's why suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Wait around long enough, the problem will go away. You have to deal, number one, with the duration. Lastly, the source. Source. A lot of things that we're having, we're engaged in problems because we created them ourselves. You've got to decide, is it God? Is it the devil? Or is it just the culture? Now, some things happen just because we live in a life. Yeah. I discovered in ministry. If you're in ministry, there's certain problems you're going to encounter. I shared us either. There are occupational challenges to life. Yeah. How many of you have teenagers? Raise your hand. How many of you know you need prayer? <laughs> you need prayer, don't you? You can't explain that. That frontal cortex is not fully developed. Why would you spend money when you don't have money? Why would you bungee jump? Why, why would you do it? And then you stop and you said, no, you, you haven't even arrived up here. Yeah. You need prayer. You have to decide the sword. Now, they don't have a demon. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was preaching in a church on uh, demonology and pneumatology. And I said, those of you that think your teenagers have demons, I said, I want to pray for you. I had a whole line of people. <laughs> a whole line of people. It's a demon. One mother said, I'm about to take this one out. I brought her in, and I'm about to take out. Now, you have to determine the source, critical. Because, see, during the pandemic, that things that have happened we thought was demonic. It was circumstantial. Yeah. And as I said before, God makes covenant with you, not with your things. And how many of you know that during this pandemic, God has sustained you? Yeah. Not a single person in this room, not one exception, can say to me that God has let them down. In fact, no matter what you've gone through, there's always been divine favor. There's always been divine guidance. There's always been divine resources. And that's been divine deliverance. Every single one of you. Not a single one in here can say that. You might have come to the end. You might have come to a place. You might have awakened early in the morning and felt that hope had escaped you. But at the end of the day, you saw that was a divine hand that helped me. When I needed something, I discovered sometimes what I thought I needed, I really did need. In fact, that which I thought was evil, I found out had turned into good. That's the Joseph principle. And now some people I thought were indispensable for life. Hear me carefully. The only someone that's indispensable is the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. And so a proper perspective during this pandemic is rediscover the work and minister of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's indispensable for life. <clears throat> He's God at work in the earth. He's the activity of God in your life. He's the executive administrator, mediating things between heaven and earth. He's the giver of visions and dreams. And as some of you in here, you've been given some unusual visions, unusual thoughts about something you're about to do. Sometimes it's about business. Sometimes it's about education. Sometimes it's about your future. And there's some of you that are getting a new perspective on your history because history is a teacher. Yeah. And there's some things in your history that you just have to let go. Because there's some things that won't be turned around. They won't change. How many of you know that some people that have hurt you will never repent? That's why forgiveness is the healing of history. Sometimes you just have to let it go. Walk away. But you know why? Because we make decisions based upon two principles. What we will gain and what we will lose. If I think I'm going to lose something, I won't let it go. But hear me compliment. When that which is set before you is greater than that which is beside you and behind you, you'll still stay where you are. And the Spirit of God has been showing you all some vision, some wonderful ideas. There's some of you here, you all, you argue with yourself, you'll argue with a tree. Just argue. I mean, I can't do this. I can't. The more you complain, the less creative you are. Wow. Complaining compromises creativity. God has given me some creative thoughts. I've never done that before. So, when God created the world, he said, I've never done that before. First one. <laughs> Just because you've never done I'll be the first one in my family. So, ask Abraham. First one. But God has chosen you. Because there's something called the power of ordinary. God can take ordinary people and enable them to do extraordinary things. Yeah. Because he gives them creative ideas. Yeah. He's talking that to some of you. 
He's been putting it. You know why I serve God? Because he won't leave you. He talked it to you last night. You thought you were through with it. Then you come in, this old bald head preacher talking to you again. <laughs> and then before the end of the day, somebody would say, you know, I believe you could do this. How many times do you need to hear it? Some of you need to hear it 15 times, the 15 timers. <laughs> You're here. He's encouraged you. And some of you are about to sell yourself that, oh, you know, help me, Jesus. I'm trying to be kind. I'm really trying to be kind. But you made him promises so many times. You've spoken him in the darkness of the night and the brightness of the day. Even in the brightness of the sun. You spoke to them when they were driving, when they were going about. You said wonderful things to them, like uh, it's not the end of the day, it's the beginning of the morning. You said this is a new day, a new time, a new opportunity. You told them, stop considering the former things and consider the new things. You said, but just don't forget them all. You told them time and time again. And yet still, even this very day, they ask you about it again in that prayer. <laughs> they kept saying words like this, Lord, when? And then they claim, I didn't say when, I said, how come? And so, Lord, I'm trying to be kind to them. But you are giving me a mandate to say to them, ask me no more about that. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Ask me no more about that. Huh. If I gave you my word, I'll fulfill my word. Amen. And in the interval between the promise and the fulfillment, there'll be those four things I spoke to you about. Divine favor divine guidance, divine provision, and divine deliverance. They will be there. Amen. So ask me no more. He said that to Paul, don't ask me, don't talk to me anymore about your challenges. My strength is made perfect in your human weakness. And Paul finally came to the revelation. I know. I can be patient now. Patience is a consequence of a revelation. And some of you are very impatient right now. And all you need is one word from God. Yeah. And I'm giving it to you. Wow. And that causes you to be patient, be tolerant, to accommodate things. And be careful. I'm talking about perspective. One of the crises that we face during this, this, this illuma, that we're going through right now, is people have different opinions. I was yeah. at a major conversation this morning. People got different views. Yeah. Black lives matter. White lives matter. Green, green lives matter. Yellow lives matter. All lives matter. And if you don't say the right thing, people get upset with you. Yeah. We live in three kind of cultures, children. Talk about perspective. And I forewarn you about my preaching style. Forewarn you about my preaching style. You need to stay on the rug, right? Or oh, on the camera. There <laughs> <laughs> three cultures I want you to be aware of. And we live in the midst of them, not all of them. One is a theonomous culture. A theonomous culture is when everybody knows things about God and they obey God. They know about his rules, his regulations. I like in the days of Israel, everyone knew the laws of Moses. So you know what not to do on the Sabbath. You understand that? That's a theonomous culture, theo-God, anonymous law. Then that's what you call a heteronomous, means other. When there are a few people at the top who tell you what to do, a lot of your world religions are like that. 
A few leaders, they dictate what you do, what you say, and when. Then you have what I call an autonomous culture, autoself, where everyone has the right to their own beliefs, their own perspective, their own ideas. And then we have an antinomious culture, where anti is against law. And we had a lot of that. How many of you know that in an autonomous culture, there are going to be conflicts? Because yeah. Sonny's beliefs is different than your beliefs, and because all of you are going to have a different perspective, yeah. different view, how many of you are going to be conflicts? Yeah. Yeah. And so the two things you must learn to do, talk about perspective, because we live in a plural world, different ideas and different values. Yeah. We must learn to accommodate without compromising. Yeah. I can hear your view, but I don't have to silence you. And because we live in a plural world, freedom of expression, except when it violates others, that I have to be able to accommodate, that is to hear it. Recognize that you do have a right to that. But hear me carefully, just because it disagrees with me, I don't have to shut you down and leave. Now, some of you are too intolerant. Because yeah. if everyone is not saying what you want to hear, you leave. And that's why some relationships crash. Because yeah. I shared with the people last night, and I hope that you get this, marriage is war. <laughs> no, you can laugh, it's war. Two selfish people coming together. Each one thinks they have a right to their own perspective. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Marriage is war. Yeah. And the strength of marriage is not love. Yeah. The strength of marriage is forgiveness. And you have to learn what to remember and what to forget. And for men, don't ever forget her birthday <laughs> and your marriage anniversary. That's close to the unpardonable sin. <laughs> Talking about perspectives. Remember I said I'm not a traditional preacher. I told you earlier that I talk about different things. Where the knowledge, where the wisdom, discerning of spirits, different things. How many know if I, right now I've said some things that reach your heart? Yeah. Right now. Answer some of your questions. And some of you are mad with me already. <laughs> You're mad with me already. And there's two of you in here to say, now, if he were a prophet, he would speak to me. And I am speaking to you. Oh, stupid one. <laughs> slow to believe all that the Lord has said to you and to seek trying to contradict the promises that he's made to you just because you don't see something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist faith does not rest in just what you see really does not and uh, we got a few chauvinists in here a few chauvinists I thought I'd kill all of them last year but I, some stuff <laughs> Still believe that men have the last word. They're the priest of the home, the head of the household. False concept. Mm. Was it even for Israel? Got a few in here. <laughs> but time is going to heal you. <laughs> if not, I have a few more bullets. <laughs> Perspective. Picture you paint of life. Need insight and wisdom to make right decisions and choices. Put things in their proper place by explaining them properly. In terms of the duration, the source, and the effect. 
making sure you don't disconnect yourself from history. History is a teacher. And then be careful. While you're looking at the future, make sure you maintain a concept of what God has done. Yeah. God is not a man that he should lie. What he's promised, he bring to pass. Yeah. We'll get through this pandemic. It's changing now. We'll come back together again. Yeah. Everything won't be virtual. Yeah. People are trying to predict things. And no one has a clear word from God yet on the future. Yeah. Except we know this. He ain't destroying the old heaven and earth to make a new one. Mm. He's transforming it. And in the cabinet, church will gather, but we're measured by a different set of standards. And those of you that are on Facebook and all of that, don't be deceived by the subtle danger of popularity. Because yeah. thumbs up down here may be thumbs down up there. Woo! That's something called the Barabbas effect. Be mindful of it. I know I'm speaking to because you try to measure your success based on popularity. Barabbas' boys shouted the loudest. And I know Jesus couldn't be released, but they didn't have the truth. Popularity will mislead you, misguide you. I want to simply say to you, I just brought a word of perspective. Perspective. I hope that you see it, because this is what he shared to me. <clears throat> this ministry has been set aside by God. And set aside by God to do some unusual, creative, innovative things. Yeah. He's allowed you to speak and to see things beyond the time. Your frustration comes when what you see and what you experience are not synced. Yeah. That's the problem with prophets. I see it, but it's not there. Yeah. He said, because you see it, it will truly come to pass. You quoted Habakkuk. You quoted them right. Though there be nothing in the field, the labor of the olive shall fail. But yet shall I trust in the name of the Lord. But at the beginning of the book, he expresses his perplexity. I can't understand why these things are happening. And the Lord said to Habakkuk, what he's saying to you, sit down on the log, shut up and listen. And I will let you see the why of things. You're on track with the Lord. You're not behind in no gift. You said it right. God has no controversy with you. You don't even understand how powerful a statement that is. But the divine that created all things, heaven and earth, to say, I have no controversy with you. Which means, number one, you're right on track with God. The favor of the Lord is your portion. Peace is where you put your mind. And happiness is a choice. Yeah. You can choose. Yeah. You can choose. But your own course with the Lord... No false steps. He's kept you from making false steps. God has kept you. All of you. He's kept you from making a false step. That's something that had you done. You wanted it at the time. But it would thoroughly have destroyed you. But out of his grace. And so I come with a message all the way from the deep south. And I thought it would be warm here, but it is cold. <laughs> to let you know you're on track with God. And the favor of the Lord is your portion. Perspective. That's the word he told me to bring to you. Amen. I'm through. Amen.